At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, From Him, Through Us, For All, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. Good to see you all this morning. I want you to um, imagine with me in your mind. Imagine it is January the 1st. Happy New Year's Day. It's a new year and a new you, right? And so you know with that happy new year, new year, new you, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to ask you like, what's your resolution? What are your goals this year? Then you're going to have all kinds of goals that you think of. Probably you're going to go, well, you know, COVID season's still continued, so I still need to lose five pounds, 10 pounds, whatever. You know, it doesn't even matter. No, it's just number, right? So, but I need, I need to work on it a little bit. Maybe you're thinking I need to work less, and I need to taste and see that the Lord is good. I need to spend time with family. I need more time with my family, more time with friends. Or maybe you're going, no, no. COVID, I have plenty of time with family, plenty. I need to get back to work. We need to get the team together. We need to climb that mountain and slay that dragon. We got to hit that benchmark. You're just so fired up, right? New year, new you, and you're ready for it. Or what if I said, what if I said to you, what are your spiritual goals? You would say, because you're talking to the pastor, I want to read the Bible through this year. That's what you would say. And then you would go, I need to be more involved with my life group. Not like go to a group, skip a group, go to a group, skip a group. Like I'm going to be all in this time. You know, I want to be involved with my life group. Maybe you would say, I want to up my serving game. Like I want to start to serve at the church. Time out real fast. I freaked out this week, y'all. Like I did. Kip and I were in his office. He was whiteboarding some stuff. We're planning through services and talking through things. And I looked at Kip and I said, Kip, you, you forgot some dates somewhere on there, I think. And he looked at me and he looked at his board and he looked at me and he looked at his board. He goes, no, that, that's right. And I said, Kip, that means that after this Sunday, we only have two more Sundays in this room. And I freaked out. Two more Sundays in this room before we go next door and it's Mother's Day. Isn't that incredible? Like two more weeks. So maybe New Year, New You, you're thinking to yourself, I probably should start serving because we're going to go down to two services, but there's going to be a lot of people coming through there. I need to serve. We can help you. We can get you connected right after this service. Right out the doors to the right is the Connect Desk. Talk to Pastor Brad, and he will help you get connected to volunteer. But we're New Year, New You. And so we're going through all of this stuff. You know what no one has ever said? Whether it's their personal goals or business goals, whether it's their faith goals, no one has ever looked in the top three and said, giving. I want to be more generous this year. Never been. I think we view it like water, don't we? Like you know water's good for you. You know every system in your body functions better if you drink the water you're supposed to. Now, if LaCroix counts as water, I'm killing it. Like, I am, I am a hydrated fool. Like, I am just hydrating like crazy. If coffee counts, I'm crushing it. If coffee counts, and just so you know, you don't have to Facebook me. You don't have to email. I know coffee's the opposite of water, but it sure seems like a lot of liquid. Like, so it should count as hydration. Uh, so we know, though, right? We know that water's good for us. But we struggle, and if I talk about health goals, that's probably not one of your top three health goals. Eating Brussels sprouts. Okay, growing up, I hated them. Amy makes great Brussels sprouts. They're delicious, honey. I love your Brussels sprouts. They're so good. But some of you know what I'm talking about, right? There's some vegetables 
that you just don't care for. It doesn't matter how they cook broccoli, you're not a fan. Doesn't matter how they cook cauliflower. So you know the vegetables are good. Beets, do whatever you want, still tastes like dirt, right? And so, so you may be thinking to yourself, like, no, there's some things that I know is good for me. I just, I, I have a hard time with it. I know that the whole body tends to be better when I, when I exercise this foundation of who I am. I just struggle with it, and that brings us to our big idea. The big idea today is that we should excel in giving. We should not just do it. We should excel in giving. Take your Bibles. Let's open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is week 2 of our sermon series called Overflow. Week 2 where we're looking at this whole thought of giving and generosity and what does it mean. And so Paul, we covered this last week, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, to the Corinthians, right? He's writing to the church at Corinth. This is a church that looked at the church in Jerusalem and they said, we can tell that they're struggling. The church in Jerusalem, there was extreme poverty with the church in Jerusalem. So this Corinthian church, they said, well, we know that they need help. And so we're going to commit to financially helping them. They committed to it, but they hadn't done it yet, right? They hadn't followed through on their commitment. And so Paul is writing this letter to address quite a few issues, but this is one of the issues that he's addressing. And Paul, he gives a master class in leadership. Anyone in leadership, you know that you have to address the what, what you're trying to do, and you have to address why. Why are you doing it? With everything that we're going to look at today, we're going to look at the why of giving, the what is simple. You made this commitment, and you should follow through on the commitment. You should give. You should be generous in your giving. But he's going to talk all about today why we should do it. The first thing we're going to see is excelling in giving, it displays God's grace. Why should we give? Because it puts on display for the whole world to see God's grace. Look at chapter 8, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Paul writes this. He said, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And so Paul calls this very act of giving, not a check, but that's oftentimes what we do, right? We look at giving, and anytime you hear the church talk about giving, you're like, okay, is it going to be pre-tax or post-tax, and what percentage, because we want to check the box. We want to make this exchange and go on, but Paul says, no, this, this whole process is about the act of grace. Have you ever been involved with discipleship with someone? Discipleship is when you're helping people belong to Christ and then grow in Christ, right? That is discipleship. Jesus says this. Jesus says that our whole life should be about going to the world and making disciples of all the nations. Then to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Another quick timeout. Today is kind of a hard day a little bit um, because at Woodside, the third, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, like the first week of the month, we do communion. The third week of the month, like this is just kind of like clockwork. This is what we do. The third week of the month, we have baptisms. We don't have baptisms today, though. 
because we've already unplugged our baptism tank. Like, true story, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes back here that you can't ever see to get ready for this big change that we're going to be doing. And so in June, June will be our next baptism service. If you have not been baptized, if you're a follower of Jesus and you have not yet been baptized following the service, make sure you stop and talk to us so we can get you on the list. We'd love for you to be one of the first to be baptized in the new building. So Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and teach them. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's discipleship. So have you ever done that? Have you ever taught people to obey what Jesus has commanded, whether it be at work, in a small group, or, or at school, or maybe at the church? You've taught a, a group. You've done it within your own family. If so, then you know you really have two major tools in the tool belt. You have challenge and you have encouragement. That's what you have to work with. You have challenge and you have encouragement. Now, when it comes to challenge, you don't want an environment that's all challenge all the time, right? That would be exhausting, wouldn't it? If someone's looking at you saying, you're not measuring up to the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is here and you're not. You're down here. You need to straighten up and fly right because what you're doing is all over the place. You need to get in line with Jesus. Jesus is here. And if it's like that all the time, that's kind of this legalistic culture, right? And you just feel beat down and worn down at the end. But the opposite, if it's all encouragement all the time, that's also no good, is it? That's where they go, you, you're awesome. You're so good. You, you're the bee's knees. That's what you are. You know, and so you're like, mm, and they're like, you, you, you. And if you're not careful, you think life is about you. And it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. It's all about Jesus, right? But you start to think, man, I feel real good about myself. I look in the mirror and I don't see anything that looks anything like Jesus because no one ever challenges me. But I feel great about myself. I feel so good. And so what we see in Jesus is we see this beautiful picture of how to do both well. And that's what we see from Paul right here. Paul is walking this church in a way where he is giving challenge, isn't he? Like you made this commitment. You haven't been measuring up to that commitment. You haven't done it. But then he's giving them some encouragement. Look at the encouragement. I like how one theologian broke this down. One theologian said it's like two triads side by side here. So in your notes, you might draw two triangles. Just for, I, I really would, I would draw, draw two triangles. Or in your margins of your Bible, draw two triangles. And with one triangle at each point, I would write faith, speech, and knowledge. Faith, speech, knowledge, because that's what Paul says. He says when it comes to faith and speech and knowledge, you're doing so good. Like you really are. You're doing a great job when it comes to faith and speech and knowledge. I would also write 1 Corinthians 12 underneath that. Because really in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the spiritual gifts, and there's a connection here. The spiritual gifts are all because of God's grace. You don't earn spiritual gifts. When you become a follower of Jesus, God, through his grace, gives you gifts. It's the power of the Lord working through you. These are gifts meant to build up his church. That's what those gifts are for. And so what we see here is Paul saying, by the grace of God, you have this faith and you have speech and you have knowledge, but then there's also some motivation here. The motivation is, is this zeal that you have when it comes to helping other churches. You have an earnestness there. There's a love that, notice he never challenges love, does he? He doesn't say, well, I don't know if you really love them or not. He doesn't say that. He says, I see your love. You clearly 
loved them. But then on that third part of that little triad on that triangle, I'd put a question mark. Because Paul says there's something missing. You've got everything over here when it comes to grace. You've got everything over here when it comes to motivation. But there's a piece that's missing. The piece that's missing is actually doing it. The action of doing it. The actual giving that should be taking place. Now, do you remember back in the day, being a little kid? I'm looking around to see if we have any little kids in here right now. Mm, no, You know, unfortunately... Oh, I got some people ducking a little bit. Oh, we got one right here. All right, right there, that hand that's going up. You remember when you were like a little kid, right? Not like now, but like when you were like a real little kid. Do you remember that? Do you remember kind of? Is it weird when I talk to you from the stage? Like, because I don't think I would like it. I did that in the first service too. They didn't like it. They didn't like me talking. These girls, there were like three girls right there and they were like, I could see them turn red. They didn't like the pastor talking to them during the service. The rest of us, let's just imagine. Imagine you were a little kid because when I was a little kid, my mama had this saying. She'd say, hey, Billy, don't forget to, you know, dot, dot, dot. And then she'd say the same thing every single time. Don't forget to wash the dishes. Don't forget to make your bed. Don't forget to do your homework. Don't forget to take out the trash. It was always the same stuff. Now, I never, ever said this out loud, but in my heart, here's what I thought. When she would say, don't forget, I wanted to say, yes, ma'am, I won't forget. You know, I never said that. Oh, my goodness. No way did I ever say that. Like, I would have been in so much trouble. But I thought it, right? Here's, Here's the thing. Mama wouldn't have had to say that if I was already doing it right? Like if, if my grades, when she would get my little report card, if it said 99% all the way down, she never would have had to say, Billy, don't forget to do your homework because I would have already been doing it. But I didn't do my homework. That was the problem, right? If the trash, here's what I would do. You guys would never do this as little kids, but I would try to squish it down so I wouldn't have to take it out. And I was like, I can get one more paper plate in there. It doesn't need taken out yet. You know? So if I would have just taken out the trash, she never would have had to say, Billy, don't forget. If I would just made my bed first thing, like now, I make my bed first thing. Amy makes the bed first thing in the morning, <laughs> right? First thing in the morning. She is all over. Our bed is made every single time. I help. I, I help make the bed. I, I do the dishes, right? I take out the trash. Like no one has to tell me take out the trash. I, I do it. But that's, that's the issue. There's a breakdown right here of what they say they care about And the job actually getting done. And Paul, this is Paul's way of saying, hey, don't forget. Don't forget. You've got this love. You've got this zeal. You have this faith, speech, and knowledge that you do so well. Don't forget that next step, which is to actually give. I just, as we read this church, let's not look at this as just a church from 2,000 years ago. Let's look at truth that we need to apply today. Because as I look across this room this morning, God's grace has been poured out in this room in incredible ways. Because I know the stories of so many of you in here. There are addictions that have been broken. There are hurts that have been healed. There are relationships that have been a mess and all of a sudden God has restored them. There are people in here that God is using you in incredible ways that you never thought he would do. You have these passions and these gifts, and the Lord is just using you to to exercise that in a way that he is glorified. And and again, it's not that you sought out to try to do it. He's just doing that through you. And it's incredible. 
so many of you, you were going through life this way at one point, and all of a sudden you slammed on the brakes. You stopped heading towards sin, and you turned your life around and started heading towards Jesus. You are a living example of God's grace. And what Paul is saying is, when we give, when we're generous, we're putting God's grace on full display for the whole world to see. The next reason he says we should give is excelling in giving. It displays genuine love. Genuine love. Look at verse 8. Paul says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. So he says, I say this not as a command. Again, he's not taking the posture of high challenge here. High challenge would say, okay, you said you were going to do this and you need to follow through because you're not living as Christ. You're saying one thing, doing another. You're hypocrites. That's high challenge. And Paul's not afraid to do that. Read through the the scriptures. He is not afraid of high challenge. But he's making clear to this church right now that that's not what he's doing. Right now, he's bringing high encouragement. So he's saying, I'm I'm not taking this posture of telling you, I'm not saying this as a command, but it's to prove by the earnestness of others. He's talking about the Macedonian church. The Macedonian church had been faithful in their giving. He says, I want your love to come through like that in your faithfulness in in how you give. Be kind of like this. Church, just look to your right. You see those three doors, which just a couple weeks ago, they weren't there. We've continued, even during this COVID season, this building project. That hasn't been done on our own. We have to stop and we have to acknowledge our thankfulness to the church at Troy for their faithfulness in giving so that we could continue to the church at Lake Orion and their faithfulness so that we could continue. To the church at Royal Oak and their faithfulness so that we could continue. We could keep going. The Lapeer campus. And here's my, here's my hope is that one day, hopefully one day soon, we'll be able to say we're giving in such a way that there's a, a new church, a new campus of Woodside, and we're faithfully going to give so the gospel can continue there within their community. Isn't that the hope? That's, that's what we do. We join in something that is so much bigger than us, this earnestness of others. And so he says that love is there. He never questions the love, but he says your actions and your love, they should be in alignment. We know this, don't we? All right, sometimes pastors ask questions and we get like no response, just so you know. We know this, don't we? Yeah, all right, too late. You're getting the illustration anyway. I was going to skip the illustration. You're going to get out early for lunch, but not now. Now you're going to hear the illustration. So imagine with me, there's a husband and wife that comes up to the pastor, and they're like, Pastor, we need to talk to you. Before we have to go to counseling, we think we should talk to you. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, I'm going to help, but come on. You know, I'll try to help. I'll do my best. And so they come into the office, and, and he sits on one end of the couch. She sits on the other end, and they turn, and they face away from each other and fold their arms. You see in this scene in your mind? You picturing this? And then I come in with my cup of coffee because I want to stay hydrated. And I sit down and, um, and, I, and I look at him. I go, okay, so what's going on? Why'd you need to talk? And she goes, well, I just, I don't feel very loved. And I look at him and I go, well, what's, what's your response to that? And he goes, I told her when we got engaged that I loved her. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Mm, I don't think right now it's time to joke. She's not thinking this is funny, so I, I just wouldn't do that anymore. And, uh, th- then what if I said, what if I said, so talk me through, because this isn't complicated. Like everything that I'm getting ready to talk you through is probably what you would do too in my seat. I, I would just say, talk me through what your normal week looks like. Like, what do you do with your time? And so I look at him and he goes, oh, well, so I get up in the morning and I do all my stuff. I normally leave by 5.30, get to work. I like to get into work early, get on it, you know. And so by 5.30, I'm, I'm normally home fairly early. By 5, I'm home, you know. And but the thing is, Pastor, I'm like, I'm pretty wired after work. So a lot of times I, I go outside just to kind of process and, and decompress a little bit. And I'm, that makes sense to me, you know, and I'm listening. And he goes, then... I go to my office. Normally, there's a little bit more work I need to do, so I, I go into my office at home. You know, I close the door, I get, get working and stuff. Sometimes I eat dinner in there. Sometimes we eat dinner together. Yeah, it just depends. And, uh, you know, a lot, I, a lot of times I just work until it's time to go to sleep. I'm exhausted at that point. I'm just done. So I go to sleep, get up, and do it again the next day. All right. Judgment-free zone, right? No judgments there. What about the weekends? Talk to me about the weekends. He's like, oh, weekends. That's my chance to have fun, you know? And so I got my friends. I got to hang out with my friends some. So normally Saturdays, we do something, you know? We go, we go fishing. We go golfing. We just go do something, you know, which is good. And Sundays, he gets real quiet and starts to mumble. You know, sometimes we go to church. Sometimes we don't. You know. I'm like, I'm judgment-free zone. Like, you can just be honest uh, you can just tell me how it is. He goes, okay, Sundays, I got to mow the lawn sometime and do laundry. We try to make church when we can, but, you know, we, we mow the lawn and, and do the laundry and do everything you need to do to get ready for Monday. All right, it's pretty easy to give this couple advice, isn't it? I haven't even asked her anything yet, but I can just look at him and I can say, okay, why don't we try? It's crazy, but why don't we try this? Why don't you just leave 20 minutes later and have a cup of coffee together? Or water, juice, whatever. It doesn't have to be that dehydrates you. Whatever. What if, what if you just pause and just start the day and you just pray for each other? What if you just did that? And what if when you come home from work, instead of going outside to process everything on your own, what if you just talked together? What if you looked at her at the kitchen table and said, hey, honey, how was your day? But when you ask her that, you actually got to listen like, you can't daydream about what you want to tell her later, or you can't, like, be working in your brain but looking at her with glossy eyes going on. Like, you actually have to listen, nod your head sometimes, give some feedback, ask some questions, active listening. You know, you can do that. And then you can do this. Like, this might make her day. Say, oh, yeah, and then, like, share your day with her. Tell her what happened with your day. But it's got to be both ways. It doesn't work for you to talk all the time or you to never talk. That doesn't work. It's kind of got to be shared conversation. That's how it works. And, and then what if instead of going to your office and shutting your door, what if you went for a car ride and just talked to just rode around in the car for a little bit just to be together? And what if New Year, New Year's coming, you need to gain five pounds to lose five pounds, go get an ice cream cone together. What if you did that? Or if you've already gained that five pounds, go walk together. Go on a walk together. You could do that just to be together. And what if on those Saturdays, you guys see where I'm going with this, right? What if on those Saturdays, instead of always going with your friend, what if she was your friend? She could be your friend. It's legal, you know? And so just dream with her a little bit and plan with her and go do something fun together. And you see, we know that love and action, they go together. 
You can't say that you love and there to be no action. Jesus says it this way in Luke 12. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. There's got to be an alignment with your actions and what's going on inside. And Paul says, you have this zeal for other churches. You have this love for other churches, but you're missing a piece. The piece that you're missing is to take that step of action in your life. The final thing we're going to look at, why do we give? Because it displays the gospel. It displays the gospel. Now, before I share this part, can I tell you, I think a lot of times when we hear sermons about giving or generosity in church, what we expect is here's all the projects we have coming up and here's the percentages needed and here's... Can, can we just go a different direction and just say from the word of God, what we see taught right here is that your giving is a display of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. That's what it is. Look what he says. And I want to go slow here because some of you are new to scripture. You're new to the Bible. Some of you have been around church for a long time and, and maybe you just lost sight of this. Look what he says. Paul says, for, for you know the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, through, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Let me read it one more time. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Paul says, here's what the gospel is that Jesus left the throne room of grace. He left heaven, the glories and the riches of heaven, and he came to this earth so that you and I could be rich. Not like have a lot of money. That's not the point. And if that's what you just heard, like you've missed this whole sermon today because it's not, even, it's not about money. That's not what it's really about. No, he says Jesus came so that we could be rich, meaning that we could inherit the kingdom of heaven that you and I could inherit eternal life through faith in Christ Jesus. That's what he says in Philippians 2. Paul says, have this mind, meaning the mind of Christ. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God becoming man, Emmanuel, God with us. Church, I don't think that takes our breath away enough. I think that we start to view this almost as commonplace. And it's appropriate and good for us to pause and let this knock us off our feet just a little bit. I mean, just imagine tonight. Imagine tonight you turn on the news and the little thing's running across the bottom and maybe you've even got it muted and it says something about Elon Musk or Tim Cook or Oprah or whatever rich person, I don't even care, some rich famous person, whoever the person is, right? That rich famous person walks away from all their wealth. You're gonna be like, mm, let me turn this up, right? You turn it up and, and the news report goes on to say they're going to walk away from all their wealth. They, they're just leaving it behind. They don't even care. And they're moving, they're moving to Detroit. But not like, you know, Detroit. Not like that Detroit, but like <laughs> Detroit, like that part. And let's say they're moving to Detroit and they're going to, they're going to live in a really rough area. 
And they're going to work in the homeless shelter every day for the rest of their life. They don't want cameras. They don't want fame. They don't want money. In fact, they say, I don't even need a car because I'm just going to walk to the shelter every day and I'm going to serve there and I'm going to live there and I'm going to work there. That's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Not our community, not our state. The world would be astounded. Everyone would be talking about it. And can I just tell you that when we go to the word of God and we see the incarnation and the crucifixion of Jesus, it should knock us off our feet. It should absolutely stop us in our tracks because we see the uncreated one putting on the form of creation. We see the one who should be served, serving. We see the one who is the author of life receiving the punishment of death. And so it leaves us in this place of saying, why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus, the author of life, take on the penalty of death? Why would he leave heaven to do that? Why? And Paul says, here's why. So we could be rich. That's why. He did it so that you and I could be rich. He took our rags and he gave us riches. He gave us the promise of eternal life in Christ Jesus. He gave us the promise of the kingdom. That's what we receive. That, that's the gospel message, isn't it? That is the gospel message that there's this great exchange that takes place. Second Corinthians chapter five, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you've never heard the gospel, here it is. God loves you, perfectly loves you. We're the problem, we've sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. There's this eternal separation between us and God forever. There's this separation. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came, the one who knew no sin. He became sin. He took all the weight, all the penalty of sin of the entire world when he was crucified on the cross. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He paid for the price once and for all. So when we place our faith in Jesus, it's not anything you've done. It's not anything I've done. It's by grace that you're saved through faith and not by works. It's not your works that makes you right with God. So when we place our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, there's this great exchange that takes place. You see, we have nothing to offer but rags. We have nothing to offer but messed up lives. We have nothing to offer but brokenness. And the Lord takes all of that brokenness. He takes the rags. He takes the sin. He takes the shame and he gives you a new life. And your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the exchange that takes place. And Paul says there's connections. You see, the way that you give, the way that you live a generous life, it puts that gospel on full display for the whole world to see. That's what we're doing. So my question for you, again, if you go back to this thought of high challenge, high encouragement, what's it look like for you to take a step of faith? Because we're all in different spots in our faith journey, right? Every single person in this room, you're at a different place. I don't know exactly where you are, but I know that you and I are called to this place of discipleship to continue to become more like Christ. So what's it look like for you to take a step? You have time, you have talent, you have treasure, you're not supposed to pick two out of the three, right? This is where you say, Lord, I want to continue to grow in what it means to give in all of these areas. So what does that look like for you? Quick story. 
before I pray for you this morning. Here a couple weeks ago, there was a, a funeral service for a friend of ours named Jesse. Many of you know Jesse. She's a special needs friend that you'd see around the church. And um, during the service, we set a microphone up and let people come and share their stories of Jesse. And one person came and said, they don't go to church here or anything. They just said, yeah, so we were looking for a place to move. And we want a place that'd be very family friendly. You know, we saw the swing outside. And so that's where we moved. Well, Jesse loved to swing. Jesse loved to swing. And she would swing and she would sing at the top of her lungs, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, loud as she could. Now think about if you had a neighbor who would scream at the top of their lungs, Jesus loves me, this I know, how would you respond? Well, here's, it's so beautiful. The neighbors have a little bitty one, and the little bitty one loved to hear Jesse singing. And so they would literally raise up the window so that the little one could hear Jesse singing, yes, Jesus loves me. Someone else came, and they took the microphone, and they said, yeah, Jesse would go to the grocery store. And uh, we, would, we would walk around the grocery store and shop. You know, sometimes when you're walking through the grocery store, and you can tell, like, someone is not in a good spot. Like, they're, they're having a hard time with life. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because you know when you put your head down and walk real fast to get to the milk. You know what I mean? And not Jesse. No, Jesse would stop and want to know, what's wrong? Like, she would just ask him. What's, here's what's funny about people. If you ask them what's wrong, they'll tell you what's wrong. And so they would tell Jesse what's wrong. And so Jesse would just say, well, can I pray for you? And they would go, yeah, you can pray for me. And so Jesse would pray. And they would pray. And then she'd be like, is it fixed? Is it all better? <laughs> I prayed. All should be well now, Right? Um, yes, Jesse, she just didn't hold back. Jesse would do class in my office. She'd go back to my office and hang out. She'd draw little circles all over her paper, little circles all over the place. Hey, Jesse, what you drawing? Jesus. Oh, yeah? yeah Jesus. See, I think sometimes we look at someone like Jesse and we think, what's Jesse have to really offer the world? And I think the answer was, Jesse offered everything. You see, everything about Jesse's life was about Jesus. Everything. There was nothing about Jesse that wasn't about Jesus. Her faith in Christ was strong. And once she knew, she wasn't backing down from it. And it didn't matter whether she was swinging outside and didn't know that anyone in the world was listening to her. She knew Jesus was listening to her. And it didn't matter at the grocery store whether someone would think it was socially awkward. If there was a burden in their heart, she was going to pray for them. And I think she just shows this, what it looks to display the grace of Jesus in our lives, what it means to display the gospel. And so my question back to you again today is, what does it look like for you to take a step of faith, to display the gospel of Jesus, the grace of Jesus in your life, to come to that place of saying, empty me of myself, Lord. I want everything to be about you. Lord, we do thank you for your truth today. We thank you that your word is never changing that, Lord, it is the foundation that we build everything on. Our foundation should be in Christ and in Christ alone, not, not in trying to fit into culture, not in trying to hold on to things and build our own kingdom, our, our own palaces. Lord, our faith should be in you. So I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room who maybe just needed this encouragement today. 
They need to not be afraid to share their time, to volunteer and to serve their talents. Lord, to not get in such a hurry of checking off a box of life at work, at school, at the grocery store. Lord, every fiber of us belongs to you. And the treasure, Lord, sometimes that's the hardest thing for us to do is to trust you with our monies and our finances. But Lord, thank you for the reminder through Scripture that this really isn't about us. It's, it's about taking that zeal that we have, that love that we have, and adding fruit, adding, adding action to our faith. So give us the boldness to step. Still in a posture of prayer. Let me finish that story of Jesse real fast. During the funeral of Jesse, we were reminded in such a beautiful way that it really wasn't goodbye to Jesse. It was, we will see you soon. To my sister in Christ, it was, I, I'll get to see you soon. Because see, as Christians, we don't believe that death is the end. And that his life is temporary. That through the promise of our faith in Christ Jesus, that there is eternal life. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe, maybe you've never placed your faith in Jesus. You see, it's not just everything we talked about today where, yes, there is freedom today. Yes, there is an impact today that you get to make. But there's also eternal life that's waiting. And that eternal life is either faith in Christ and it is with the Lord or it's separated for eternity from him. And so if you've never done that, if you've never stopped and surrendered, I want you to know it's not putting your hand in the air that makes you right with God. It's not walking down front to see the pastor. It's not, it's not praying a prayer in a special way. It's your faith. It's your faith in Christ and the work that he has done on the cross. So I just want you to be able to pray and say, God, I believe. I believe that you love me. And Lord, I know I've messed up. I know I've sinned. I know that sin causes a separation, but that's why Jesus came and he lived and he died and he lived again. So Lord, I'm placing my faith and my trust in that truth and Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for giving me new life. Lord, I want my life now to be a display of that gospel for everybody to see. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If that was you, if you, for the first time, placed your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, today was the day you threw your hands up and surrendered. I would love to continue that conversation with you. So on the way out, if you turn to the right, Pastor Brad will be right there at the Connect desk. Uh, I'll be there in the lobby. Please stop, stop someone and just talk to him and say, hey, today was my day. Because we want to talk to you about what those next steps look like as you follow the Lord, what that discipleship process is the word that we use, what that looks like and how to start to take steps in following the Lord. Let's stand today as we close our morning worshiping together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.